Okay, so I'll be reading from Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And I'll read verse 2, verse 3, and then I'm going to jump across to verse 28. I've already preached on verses 4 through to verses 27 last week. So we're not going to read the entire passage like we did last week. You're always welcome to go and listen to last week's sermon. It was part 1 of Pride and Humility. We looked at pride. I will recap a little bit on pride this morning. But let's now look at Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And I'll tell you when to jump to verse 28. So Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. Jump to verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar, he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Verse 34, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honoured him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counsellors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of Heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the sacred scriptures. We thank you that we have your word to convict us of our sin, to rebuke us, to correct us, but also to teach us and train us in righteousness so that we may walk in your ways and bear fruit in every good work. Help us, Father. Give us wisdom now as we come this morning to the sermon to, to listen, to examine our own hearts, to see if there's pride or humility 
or more pride and less humility. But help us, Father. Scriptures are there to, to cut deep into our hearts, to convict us of our sins, that we would bow in repentance and humble ourselves before you and ask you to forgive us and walk in your ways. Help us, Father. But thank you now, Father, for this morning. Help us to listen. Help me to be clear and help us to grow up in your word. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said this morning, we're going to continue in Daniel chapter 4. And we're going to try and get to our second thing from Daniel chapter 4 that we want to look at. To see if we allow God to rule our lives. As a Christian, you either believe that God rules humanity or He doesn't. I can understand an unbeliever believing that God does not rule humanity. But a Christian should believe God rules humanity. And what do I mean by the word humanity? I mean all people in the world. Men and women. Doesn't matter if you're a president or a prime minister. Doesn't matter if you're a king or queen. If you're a CEO of a company, a teacher, a doctor, an accountant, or a pastor. God rules humanity. God rules people. And we should know that. But if unbeliever says, no, God does not rule humanity. I am the captain of my life. I rule. And I want to quote something. Failing to know and rejoice in the absolute rule of God over humanity is a sign that we are becoming like animals, not humans. Which is so true. The more we forget God, the less human we are. Okay, God, people, unbelievers can still do human things and good things. But look at the wars. Look, look what goes on outside these walls when man forgets God. He's more like an animal. Humanity, when they forget God, they forsake true reason. They're not interested in moral considerations. They're not interested in truth anymore. They become so arrogant and blind to God's reality. And then the less human they are, the more animal-like they become. <clears throat> David says this in a psalm. Psalm 32 verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. And that word understanding, the understanding is the power of moral reasoning and spiritual perception, which is not granted to animals. Animals don't reason. Animals are irrational. If you want to listen to more of that, go listen to last week's sermon. Animals are not created in the image of God, with God-like reasoning, God-like choices and moral thinking. That's why I said, as man forgets God, pushes God aside, the more animal-like we become and the less human we are. And it's sad to think that Christians and non-Christians, especially some Christians, want to say that God does not rule humanity. God is not sovereign over humanity. But David 
says, we can read in Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. There it is in Scripture. Don't come argue with me. Open up Chronicles chapter 29, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12, and go see for yourself, and then you can wrestle with God, and you will come off second best. And the reason why you wrestle with God, the reason why you say, no, I rule, I'm the captain of my life, is because of pride. And this is what Daniel chapter 4 is teaching us. It's a journey that King Nebuchadnezzar goes through from pride to humility. And this is what someone else said. At every stage of our Christian development, and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy, and humility our greatest friend. So therefore this morning, who's your greatest friend? And who is your greatest enemy? Enemy, pride, friend, humility. So this is what we want to do. We want to examine our hearts. I just want to quickly refresh our minds on our first thing that we looked at last week, to see if we align God to rule our lives. And the first thing we looked at last week was pride. And obviously, if there's pride in your life, God cannot be ruling your life. Because God is opposed to the proud and He gives grace to the humble. You're leaning on your own understanding, you've been wise in your own eyes, and you're actually being your own God in that sense. Daniel reminds us by telling us about this great king, the journey he went on from pride to humility. As much as we hate to admit it, me included, we all have pride. We all have pride. Like I said last week, if you put up your hand and say, Pastor Mark, I don't have pride, that tells me you have pride. Because only a proud person will say that. A humble person will never say that. They don't even talk about themselves in their humility. They don't even draw attention to themselves. But we all have pride. Pride exists in our hearts, but the question is not, do I have pride, but where is it? And how much of it do I have, and how is it expressed in my life? Pride is all about self. It's all about, it's a focus on self. The service of self, the pursuit of self-exaltation, a desire to control and use things for self. And if you want to know how pride got into this world, it was because of the first sin. You have to go and read Isaiah chapter 14. And there you saw or you read about the downfall of a king, but not an earthly ruler. It's a powerful, angelic creature, Lucifer. We see the fall of Satan himself. And Lucifer is a great example of God-defined arrogance, pride, which led to his rebellion and fall. You can go read about that in Isaiah 14, chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. But Proverbs warns us. Proverbs warned King Nebuchadnezzar. Proverbs warns all of us. Tells us that God hates pride and arrogance. And the way of evil, therefore, will be punished. Lucifer was punished, King Nebuchadnezzar was punished, we too will be punished if you don't deal with your pride. Another proverb says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. 
And this is what we see in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. We see that in verses 4 through to 27. We see a king that is proud. He has a dream. And again, he calls in his own wise men, his sorcerers. He calls them in, but they cannot interpret his dream. Then in steps Daniel. He comes in and he brings light into the dark place of this king. He brings light. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came to be the light of the world. He came and he brought light into this dark world, into our dark, prideful hearts. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If it wasn't for God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, compassion in this world, we'll be far worse off. We'll be actually killing more of each other. It's only because of God's grace, common grace, that these things are restrained. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he's full of pride. He has this dream, and in steps Daniel to make known this dream. And he tells him about this dream. It's about a cosmic tree representing a world empire, powerful and might, which reached to all and provided for all. And he said to the king, the tree is you, O king. This enormous tree that is growing and reaching into the heavens. And then he says, yes, there was a watcher, a holy one, an angel commissioned to carry out God's judgment. He warned him about this angel that's going to come. It's bad news. It's going to come down and it's going to cut the tree down, reduce it to a stump. But the stump will remain for seven periods, meaning seven years. And the cutting down and trimming of the tree symbolized Nebuchadnezzar's disgrace and removal from the throne. And the leaving of the stump was a promise that he would one day rule as king again. What love, what compassion, what grace. We know King Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, should die. We see that with Belshazzar. When we go to, to Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar doesn't even have a chance. God immediately kills him. So Lord willing, if you hear, we look at another thing. God rules life and death. You're not in control of your life. You didn't bring yourself into this world. And you don't take yourself out of this world unless you decide to commit suicide. That's self-murder. But we'll look at next week, God rules life and death. But this morning we're focusing on God rules humanity. And, and we ask the question, are we allowing God to rule our lives? And if there's pride in our life, which is the first thing we looked at last week, you can go back to the sermon, look at it. If there's pride in your life, then God cannot be ruling your life. And I'm not saying we're not perfect. There will be pride in our life. But if it's all just about you, you come to church, you talk about others, you tell everybody how much you love God, but when you go home, when no one sees you, and only God sees what goes in your heart, all it is is about you, 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 myself, I, I'm the captain of my life, and I'll rule. God, you go sit in the corner until Sunday, and then I'll bring you with me to church. That's pride. You must understand that and know that. But God is so gracious. Daniel in verse 27 says, Therefore, O king, let me counsel... Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to God. 
and your iniquities and, and confess your iniquities and God will show mercy to you. God will forgive you. But the king would not. The king loved what he had and pride was ruling his heart. And it's amazing how God warns us. God, God, God is a just God. God is a righteous God. God has, has, has warned this king, but he will continue in his pride, his greatest enemy. Is pride your greatest enemy? Well, let's look at our second thing this morning, which we're going to elaborate more on. The second thing to see if we allow God to rule our lives is humility, which we now see in verses 28 to 37. God rules our lives if there is humility. But let's be honest, before a person can be in a position of humility, they would need to be humbled, they would also need to be saved, because true humility is a gift from God. There are people with quiet personalities, there are people with joyful personalities, there are people that, that show um, gentle um, personality, but that doesn't mean that they're humble. Don't get mixed up with personality and true character that God gives us. God gives us humility. And for us to have true humility, we need to be saved and we need to be humbled. Humility teaches humility. We learn humility from humility. We need to know that. That humility is all about serving. Having a servant's heart. Like Jesus, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Those that have been called and chosen to be His children. A true, humble Christian will, will be of, of service to others. He will know that his home, his possessions, Whatever he has is a gift from God and God has given it to him to share and sometimes even to give away without questioning. Scripture says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. You can only do that in humility. It says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And our greatest example of humility is Jesus Christ Himself. Try to imagine, just try to imagine what Jesus Christ gave up in heaven. Would you give up your home with all your luxuries, all your possessions, and go live in a little windy house three by three? Would you give that up? Think of what Jesus gave up, what Christ Jesus gave up. He gave up glory, He gave up honour, He gave up pure worship, He gave up majesty. He gave up being in, in, a, in, in a loving, or He always continued, but in a loving relationship with His Father, He was there. And then He comes to earth. And He had to humble Himself. Did Jesus have to humble Himself? No. He comes to earth, 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God in things to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus' very coming to earth, to me and to all of us, should be an amazing act of humility. Now he just stood back, how he was mocked, how he was persecuted, how he was, was called a liar, a child from a fornicator. He displayed humility. And what's so amazing is that Jesus Christ was perfect in all his humility. And he lived on earth and was crucified for living a humble life. It's amazing. And we all don't want to go through this. It's Jesus' life from the time he was born until the time he was resurrected was a life of humiliation. Did he need it? No. Do we need it? Yes. And then his life from his resurrection onwards where he's now seated next to the right hand of his father, where he's ascended, is a life of exaltation. God will humble us. God will humiliate us. If you don't do something about your pride. God will. And if it's not today, or tomorrow, or next month, or next year, it will be when you stand in judgment before him. Because if you practice pride, and Paul warns us, those who practice such sins will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying you're perfect, at, you're perfect at being humble. No, we all have pride. But if you have pride in your life and it's seen 99% in your life and humility seen 1%, there's a problem. You've got to turn that around by humbling yourself and allowing God. Allow God to humiliate you. Allow God to humble. God's given us children to humble us. It's not working. Parents don't parent anymore. Children are parenting the parents. Children are telling the parents what to do. But God gave us children to humble us, to keep us on our toes, to keep us on our knees. Because parenting isn't easy. Marriage isn't easy. But by God's grace we can endure and we can help each other. <clears throat> and if there's one man that needed humiliation, one man that needed to be humbled more than anybody else, is King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a terrible humiliation experience. But God was so gracious to him. God warned him through Daniel in verse 27. And then you read in verse 28. All this came upon, the, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. By the time Daniel warned the king, you better do something about your pride. You better, you better practice righteousness and turn away from your evil and wicked ways. Twelve months came by. God gave him a year to sort his heart out, sort his life out. That's how gracious and merciful God is. But there's a time when God will say, that is enough. You've had your opportunity to repent. Now, I'm going to follow through on my word. And this is exactly what happened. King Nebuchadnezzar's boasting, is this not my great Babylon? Is on the roof. Have I built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty 
And you hear sportsmen saying that. I did it. I built this empire. I did it. I was raised up from the gutters. I took myself. I did it. And you look at some of their lives. Pride is a downfall. But people boast in pride. But we are warned in Scripture. Do not boast in your wisdom. Do not boast in your riches. Do not boast in your strength. If you boast, boast in the understanding of God. Jeremiah warns us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 at the end. There's nothing to boast about. If you're going to boast, boast in Christ Jesus as a Christian. Boast in what He's done for us. Our salvation. What He's given to us. Because everything He's given to us is His. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he just does not want to listen. Like many of us. And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass. And off King Nebuchadnezzar went. See, God keeps his promise. God is a God of long suffering, but God will follow through with his word because his yes is yes, and his no is no in Christ Jesus. God warns. And he's faithful to his word. He has warned us. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And everything was taken away from King Nebuchadnezzar. His royal authority was taken from him. He was driven away from Babylon. He ate grass and lived wild in the open air like the beasts of the field, growing his hair and nails unchecked like the birds of the air. The, real, the reality is that his sickness is directed by the judgment of God. Psychologists mustn't come down and tell us he was this, 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 this. His sickness came from God. There are some words I mentioned last week. Um, zoanthropy is a mental illness in which a person imagines himself to be an animal. It's called zoanthropy. Boanthropy is a psychological disorder in which a person believes himself to be an ox or a cow or a cattle, a beast. But we can't. God, direct judgment, came upon King Nebuchadnezzar and he brought the sickness upon King Nebuchadnezzar and drove him away from his kingdom. A solemn voice from heaven broke the king's pride and judgment was to fall on him. We never know when God's hand will judge our pride. Are you aware of the pride in your own heart? Because God has every right to break into our lives and to chastise us as his children and discipline us. God is a long-suffering God, but when the time comes for him to act, there's no delay. And this is a warning, especially to people that honour God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Because King Nebuchadnezzar, if you read in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, he honoured God with his lips. He, he, he promoted God, but he never believed in God. And he should have known when Daniel came to him that this is the great God. He, he gave some great words to God. He said some great things about God in, 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 in chapter 1 and in chapter 
2 and even in chapter 3. He even says, there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Because he knew God rescued them from the furnace. He knew that God was the ruler of the world. And if you are a religious person and you talk about God but your life does not reflect it, God will bring judgment upon your life. And as a Christian who not only honors God with their lips, but also honors God with their heart, you know what to do is to repent. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your pride. Don't be like the religious people that boast. You see the Pharisees boasting. You see the Sadducees boasting. You see the religious people of today boasting about what they do for God. But their lives don't reflect the glory and character of God at all. How great is our Lord? The only way people are going to see how great is our God is if they see God flowing through our lives. This great and awesome God who we know who rules our lives and we humble ourselves before Him and show that in how we love and treat one another. Treat others as you would like to be treated. King Nebuchadnezzar eventually took his eye off himself and lifted them to heaven. And his reason returned to him. And he blessed the Most High, praised him and honored him who lives forever and rules humanity. And that's the sad thing. We first have to live, learn a hard lesson before we actually realize that we, we should have actually turned or not done that thing prior to the hard lesson. We're stubborn. Humility is unnatural. Pride is what we want. We love to tell people how great we are and great things we've done and take all the glory away from God. But humility does not seek self. It's not interested in self. I think I've got something in the back of my Bible here. Um, I'll just read one of them. A Puritan wrote this. Um, when you are forgotten or neglected or purposely set at naught and you sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight but your heart is happy being counted worthy to suffer for Christ that is dying to self. Or when your good is evil spoken of when your wishes are crossed your advice disregarded, your opinions ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart, or even defend yourself, but take it all in patient, loving silence that is dying to self. And we can easily show it on the outside. But what is going on in our heart, what God sees, is sometimes totally different. Yes, Mark, I could forgive you, but inside the heart you might say, no, Mark, I don't forgive you. God sees the heart. You can't fool God. And Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way. And he eventually came to his senses. And we too, that's why we warned in, in Colossians chapter 1. You've heard me say this verse over and over. Colossians chapter 1, oh, sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of, of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. If you want to be, remain humble, 
You've got to set your things on above. You've got to be reminded of what Christ has done for you. You've got to be reminded of the heavenly things to remain humble. But as soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our life, pride will come in. But we can walk in humility. We can know that apart from Christ we can do nothing. We know from Scripture, in true humility, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. But sometimes we need a lesson. Sometimes we need God to humble us and restore us back to the reality that He rules our lives and not us. And once brought low by God, King Nebuchadnezzar was brought back to the heights and restored to control of his kingdom, demonstrating that the Lord is able both to humble the proud and exalt the humble. That's why our life in Christ is a life lived in humility. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. You're not your own. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we were reminded that we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to Him who died on the cross. It cost Him. It didn't cost us anything. Like Mark said earlier, we just got to keep believing, keep trusting. God used Daniel's faithfulness to bring light to the Gentile king. God has used His Word to bring light to our prideful hearts. Are you reading the Scriptures? Take your eyes off yourself. Take them off your accomplishments. Take them off your failures, your disasters. Take them off the bad things that have happened to you. And lift them up to heaven and just thank God that they have happened to you because you can see what pride is in your heart. And repent. And put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put away your pride and clothe yourselves in humility. Delight in the riches of God's mercy. God's grace is so radical that it reaches down and turns around the desires of our heart, the pride of life. And our eyes are opened and humility enters into our heart so we can walk humbly with God. What does God require of us? To walk, to love kindness, to love justice and to walk humbly with Him. So will we look at these two things and allow our hearts to be examined to see if we allow God to rule our lives? Obviously, the first thing is pride. If there's just pride in your life, God cannot be ruling your life. And the second thing is humility. If there's humility in your life, then you will be allowing God to rule your life. And I just want to be clear. There is pride in our lives. But if your life is 99% pride and 1% humility, there's something wrong. Your humility should outweigh your pride. And when there is pride in your life, then confess your sin. Ask God to forgive you. And boast in Jesus. Boast in Christ. Look at what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Starting at verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Are you walking in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called? God has called you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Because your calling is from Him. And then he goes on to say, with all humility 
and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Clothe yourselves in humility and allow God to rule your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come before your throne of grace and plead for mercy and grace and forgive us for there's more pride seen in our hearts and our lives than humility, Father. Father, we grumble about everything except just thanking you. Thanking you for load shedding. Thanking you for the cost of things because you are humbling us. We have so much and yet there are people with so little and they have a more joyful life than us. Father, forgive us. Please, help us to, to put away our pride because you are opposed to the proud. But help us to clothe ourselves in humility because you will give grace to us. But give grace to the humble. So help us walk humbly with you, Father. Forgive us. Help us as a church to be humble. Help us as a church to, to look, not look down on people's sins, but to see how we can love them in gentleness and kindness and bring them back to their senses. We see how you graciously dealt with King Nebuchadnezzar. You could have struck him dead, but you chose to show love and compassion. And we see how King Nebuchadnezzar just exalted you in words and how he glorified and honored your name through what you did in his life. May people see how great is our God through how we talk and live and face our conflict and sufferings. But Father, may we be warned, if there's pride in our lives, humiliation will soon follow. Then I hope we will come to our senses and repent and look to the heavens for help. Father, thank you now for this morning. Thank you again. We allow your word to cut through like a double-edged sword and convict us of our sin. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.